Good morning, everyone. Please join us with number 138. Let's be the tie that binds. Number 138. our call to worship. Good morning. Good morning. The call to worship this morning is Psalm 67, a psalm or song. God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That thy way may be known upon earth by saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Amen. What a great song of uh, God's provision, uh, his providence and his grace. Let's continue to worship him, singing number 536, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. Yeah. 
Amen. What's so great about that song is the truth that Jesus came for every soul who lives on this earth, wherever that person may live. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Three in one God, we're gathered here this morning to worship you. We know that you are always with us, but we pray your spirit would be in this place in a powerful way. Block out all that would distract us, first from ourselves and from whatever we brought in from the world and whatever the enemy may do to try to distract our souls from wholehearted devotion and focus on you. May you be glorified in all we say and do and think and feel in the word and in the sacrament and in our prayers. We ask in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen. And you may be seated, and please take your bulletin inserts, and we will pray together David's prayer of confession. And and I just want to say this for all of our responsive or things we do as one, including the Lord's Prayer. If you hear me getting quiet, it's because I don't hear you all. Every voice should just be Speaking these out clearly and plainly, we're doing this as one united body. And this is a corporate prayer of confession more than an individual one. Okay, let's do this together. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Amen. Well, that sounded great. Uh, If we all meant that, and I trust that we did, we can take great assurance from John's first letter to the persecuted church. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness, which is just what we ask for, and God will do it. For our next song, let's sing of our desire to see Christ, number 563.
seated now for the reading of God's word. Scripture reading this morning is Ruth 1, 1 through 17, and Mark 3, 33 through 35. This is Ruth. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Melon and Kilion, Ephrates of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Emelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the women were left of two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay with them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieves me much for your sakes 
that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. This is Mark. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round upon them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Amen. There is a lot there. Uh, we will focus more on the... Um, family and love of God. But now, um, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, thank you that you are love. And everything you do flows from your love. And also, you initiate everything. You spoke. And in the minuteness of a fraction of an instant, the whole universe exploded into being. And your act of creation was complete when you made people in your image. All people are as one before we were scattered and divided because of our sin of disobedience. So, because of that, in our divisions, as the benevolent king of kings, you sent your son to redeem us by dying the death we deserve. Thank you. And he is alive, so we may live in him. Salah. Let us dwell on this in our hearts on this communion Sunday. Oneness with you and oneness with each other. And scripture says judgment begins in the house or the family of God. So we confess our failure to grow as your local church. Many children and grandchildren are not active in any local church. And thousands have died without Christ and are separated from you during the 130 years we have been here. So we beg you to rapidly, right now, change our hearts and to begin to daily change our behavior to actually obey all that Jesus commanded. And we pray for our town, state, and nation as we live as one in Jesus. That's very important. We must live as he lived. We must be the light of love and truth that more people, more people may see you in us. Please make this change in us. And then they can make the choice to be in your family doing your will. And as your church in the New Testament was faithful to pray for secular leaders and rulers, even in the days of Nero, we pray for all of our leaders in the United States in every sector of our society and every location. And we thank you. We thank you that some states in this union are standing up to our national sins and they are making and enforcing laws in line with your word. 
We also pray for our fellow missionaries in the world and closer to where we live. We must all minister in the power and love of the Holy Spirit by your grace and in your faithfulness. We pray for members of our body and those close to us. Father, we pray for Cindy. Please give to her all she needs and continue to be with her. And we pray for a speedy return of Doris and Norma and Pam and others along with Cindy that we could worship together in person. We thank you that Joe is with us and and John and Pat. Father, please give Allie physical strength and and be with her family. And we especially consider uh, Misty's family. And please uh, be with and and fill Nancy and Ray. And we pray for Francine. We pray for Christine and her mother and grandmother. Give each one all she needs. We pray for Stephen and Annie and their family. And Father, please, by your spirit, be with Lori in a special way and give her a great miracle. Also, please help me to explain, interpret, and apply your word consistent with your will when you were inspiring it, when you gave it. And also, also, may it be fitting to the time in which we live. And please help us to experience you in a powerful way in the sacrament. And now with one heart and one voice, We come to you in the words of the prayer Jesus gave to us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. And now, uh, before we dig into God's word, and I had chosen this song before Peter even wrote his article, number 133, I Then Shall Live. Commitment, then I'll be there. 
seated. Last week, we heard that the greatest commandment is to love God with all that is in us. Now, God spoke these words through Moses just as God's people were about to enter the land that he had spoken to Abraham about that would be their land forever. And then Jesus repeated and confirmed this commandment just days before going to the cross. The problem is, however, that the human heart is easily led astray by all kinds of idols and this danger of worshiping them in place of God. It's all around us and it's in us. So this is our only hope. We love God because he first loved us. God is the initiator and then we respond. And then there are two promises given through the prophet Isaiah to those who love God. First, people of all nations will join themselves to him in love to serve him and will be brought to his holy place and then made joyful in his house. And his house is his family. And today's scripture is all about family, God's family. And then secondly, he has something absolutely unimaginable prepared for those who love him. And that's universal. Isaiah spoke at 700 BC. Paul confirmed it around 50 AD. Also, there are two sides to God's love, salvation and judgment. And these two sides, which don't quite seem to fit together perfectly in our heads, are linked together by one word that we really don't like to hear, discipline. But discipline is the mark of a true father, the mark of God. God uses discipline to bring people to him for the first time or to bring people back to him when they stray, whenever they may stray. And God becomes our father in this way. When we surrender our entire lives to him, to obey him by grace, through faith. In the work of his son, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. We need to follow him. And all people of all nations become his children by the gift of reconciliation to God by faith in the Savior or Yeshua in Hebrew, Jesus in Greek. People of all nations can learn to love God and be united to him and together as one family. All who love Yahweh God are in his family. Now, the book of Ruth, which is our primary focus this morning, is an appendix to the book of Judges. And Judges is a dark book. God's people fell into great idolatry and unbelief after Joshua's generation died. Oh, there were moments, rare moments of revival under a handful. You could count them on one hand of God-chosen, spirit-filled judges. But as soon as they died, people lapsed into even deeper darkness. 
Now, Elimelech and his family, both of them, all of them, were not fully committed lovers of God. They disobey God's will twice in our short passage this morning. But still, there were sparks of love and faith in Naomi because of her a foreign woman came to love God and leave her idol gods and join with God's people. This is amazing. And then 1,300 years later, Jesus asked people that he was teaching about his family. Who's in his family? Whoever's in his family is the one who does the will of God. Now, let's dig deeper into these two passages. The Ruth passage has two large parts. And the first part has to do with Elimelech taking his family to Moab during a famine where he dies, his sons marry, and the sons die, and his wife is left without husband or sons. So first we're told during a famine in the time of the judges... A certain man of Bethlehem sojourns in Moab with his wife and two sons. And I love how the King James puts it, and it came to pass. And it was in the days of the judges when there was a famine in the land. Now, I've already alluded to judges. I gave you the reference in chapter 2, which summarizes this whole time in the unfaithfulness of God's people. And now a famine Understand, there's two real long chapters in the Torah. And one small section near the beginning says, a famine is a curse from God. If we disobey God, he still loves us, he could still forgive us, but there are consequences, and this was a consequence. So a man in Bethlehem, house of bread, from Judah, the land of praise, descended from the son of praise, Judah, He went to sojourn, that's one of my favorite words, in Moab with his wife and sons. To sojourn is to dwell for a time in a place that is not our home. And just think about it. In this life, even followers of Jesus, we're just pilgrims, we're just sojourners here. Our real home is in front of us. And his name was Elimelech, his wife was Naomi, and his sons were Malon and Kilion, and they were Ephrathites living in Judah. Okay, what are these names? Elimelech means my God is king. Naomi means my delight. Malon means sick. Kilion means pining. Now, perhaps... I didn't check any commentaries. This is just mostly from my thinking about this. Perhaps this is not just a description of the physical weakness of these two sons, but a reflection. I mentioned these sparks of hope of the parents' spiritual sensitivity to the idolatry of God's people in God's land. Idolatry is sickening. Maybe he was to point out to people what we're doing is sickening. And people who want to follow and worship the true God should be pining for him in the midst of a people who disdain him and are unfaithful. Just maybe. Then they entered Moab and they had been there. That's the best translation They had been there for some time. Now, Moab means from father. And he had a brother named Ben-Ami, which means son of my people. And these two names reflect the sordid affair of Lot and his two daughters after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Next, we're told that after he dies, his sons marry women of Moab, and then the sons die, and his wife has only her daughters-in-law. That's all that remains. So we're told, and Elimelech died, 
And Naomi was left behind and her two sons. So her husband is dead, but she does have her two sons who are from her husband. So she's left with something. And then we're told the sons took wives from the women of Moab and they dwelt there 10 years. Okay. Now, again, the Torah makes it very, very, very clear. God spoke through Moses. His people were to never marry foreign women. There is another sin and another disobedience. Now, of these names, it's interesting. Orpah means gazelle. And I spent about 10 or 15 minutes on Ruth's name. I love the full meaning of it. And it's the only time it occurs in scripture, but it's a variation. And it means sisterly friendship between women. In fact, that name, sisterly friendship between women, may summarize this entire book. Maybe that's why that's the name of it. Then we're told Malan and Killian died, and Naomi was left behind of her two sons and husband. After 10 years now, death has come to all of Naomi's family that entered Moab with her. Only she, the one whose name means my delight, remained. Now, again, this is just speculation, but who is my? Well, perhaps when her parents named her, their wish was that she would be a delight to Yahweh. If her name is Yahweh's delight, it's actually truer than she could possibly imagine in this dark moment when her whole family is gone, because we know how the story turns out. So after hearing that there's food in Judah, she plans to return and commands her daughters-in-law return to their mothers, but Ruth will not leave Naomi. So as she rises to return from Moab, Naomi commands her daughters-in-law to return home. Ophrah returns, and this is very interesting, but Ruth cleaves to her. So then she rose, her daughters-in-law with her, and she returned from the fields of Moab because she heard Yahweh visited his people to give bread. So the house of bread has bread in it again. This is the grace of God. After 10 years of disciplinary famine, he showed his people grace by giving them bread. People, let's bring it forward to the 21st century because the scripture is for all God's people of all times. We must all be encouraged because though God may discipline us, he will give us grace to return to him. Naomi has received grace to return to Yahweh in the land where she belonged. And then she went out from where she was and went on the way to return to Judah. But notice this. She went out with the two daughters-in-law. Orpah and Ruth are staying with Naomi. They're showing great loyalty towards her. She's been more to them than just a mother-in-law. Now she commands them, go, return to your mother's house. So Yahweh will love you both as you did to those who are now dead and to me, and he will give you that you must find a resting place with a husband in your land. She kissed them, and they all wept aloud in a great voice. So she's giving three commands. The first two are very important. Go, return. But she also says, find. Find yourselves husbands. Okay. But then she desired two blessings for them. That Yahweh, the true God of love, will love them. And they will have a resting place. A safe resting place. Now, because they loved her and she loved God, she wanted to bless them. And here's another application, people. 
May we all realize that our disobedience to God, although it may bring death, if we join ourselves to God and his people, as these daughters-in-law, at least Ruth for sure, had done, we may receive his love and rest, no matter how much we've disobeyed. That's a wonderful promise. And all three of them wept with loud voices because they were going to be separated after many years. And they desired to go on with Naomi, but she commands them, return, because she can't give them husbands. Return, go. Look, if I had hope of having a husband tonight, and I conceived quickly and I bore sons, would you wait 16 years for them to grow up? No, no, no. You wouldn't wait for them to grow. And then she says, in a key word in this book, it is more bitter for me because Yahweh's hand has gone out against me. So they're still being loyal to Naomi. You know what? I think she was a mother to them. And then she concludes by reversing her first two main commands. Return, go. Now, back to bitter. Because all of her men had died, she is convinced God is against her. She even changed his na- her name. A few verses later when she returned home, she says, call me bitter. I'm not my delight. Call me bitter. However, however... Um, We know how the book ends. She will experience God's grace and actually have a place in the line of the Messiah. She will learn a truth that we should live by. And here's another application for us. Bitterness and disobedience to God, which I think we've all felt. We've all been there. It can be overcome by accepting God's grace open to it, receive it. Now, experience had taught her finally that she and her family were wrong to leave the land that God gave them as a forever inheritance. But even though she knows she was wrong, she's still not fully trusting God. And then they all wept again loudly. And Orpah kissed Naomi and Ruth clave to her. This is a very interesting word. Of course, you recognize it. It's the word used of Adam and Eve in Genesis. And here's a real cool thing about God. We've already talked about it this morning. Though they were of different nations, there is a strong family bond between them. And then this passage concludes as Ruth makes a five-fold pledge to never leave Naomi or her God. Now, Naomi tried one more time. Behold, behold, your sister-in-law returned to her people and gods. You must return after her. Now, this word, behold, in Scripture, it's like a command. It means pay attention to me. She demands Ruth return. We'll hear later Jesus used the same word. But Ruth said two things. First, a prayer. Do not entreat me to forsake you or return. To not forsake. I find this interesting. With wedding words, Ruth says she will not obey Naomi's four-time command. And then she says, because where you go, I will go. Where you dwell or live, I will live. Your people, my people. Your God, my God, and where you die, I will be buried. Ruth says she is one with Naomi. And Naomi's God is her God. She has now learned to forsake Moab's idol gods and to love the true God because of and due to her relationship with Naomi. Her bond with her mother-in-law made her love Yahweh God and made them one family forever joined together, cleaving together 
even though they were of different nations. Again, here's one of the most awesome truths about God. All who love Yahweh are in his family. And then she says, thus Yahweh do to me and more, because death will separate between you and me. Only death separates. Okay? Now, understand this. This five-part pledge will only be done in the grace and strength of Yahweh. And now here, only death shall we part. It's the second marriage bond illusion between these two sister friendship women. Ruth is living up to her name. And then Jesus said of the church, all with faith in him are his bride. So this marriage theme is no mistake Ruth and Naomi foreshadow God's church in Jesus Christ made up of people of every nation who love him and are in the family of God together. All who love Yahweh are in his family. Okay, I think that's enough from Ruth. Let's go forward to our gospel passage now in Mark. And what we learn here can be summed up this way. Jesus says his family members do God's will. So Jesus responds to the fact, if you look in context, his mothers and brothers are waiting for him. And he asks a question, who is my family? Now, you need to read all of Mark 2 and 3 up to this point. Jesus was doing amazing healings, and he was giving controversial teaching, so much so that his family came to him saying he is out of his mind, literally insane. Okay, they thought he was insane. Now, having answered those questions, which is where the King James picks up, he began to speak. And what were they saying? Well, if you look above, they were saying these miracles were done by Beelzebub, by the enemy. But he's saying, no, these were done in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, who is the mother mine and the brothers mine? He asked them who is in his family using seven precise words. And then after looking at those sitting all around him, he answers, whoever does God's will is my family. So having looked all around at those sitting round about him, he said, so those that were sitting round about him, remember, they were people open, open to the teachings of Jesus. And he says, behold, the mother mine and the brother's mine. So behold, it's every bit as much pay attention as when Naomi was trying to get rid of Ruth. But now he's telling them quite plainly uh, who is his family. You see, we must seek like those sitting around him. So let's get to that before we get to the big idea. They were sitting around desiring to learn from Jesus. And we'll never get anywhere unless we seek to learn from him by his word. Now, he uses the same seven words that he used in his question as he begins his answer. And he says, because whoever might do the will of God. This is important. We have to choose it. It's not Automatic. He indicates that doing God's will is contingent on an individual choosing to offer himself as a living sacrifice, serving God to be transformed in order to approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then he says the same, that one. That one is my sister, my brother, my mother. Now notice how he's expanding his family by actually getting more precise. He had talked about his mother and plural brothers, meaning the church. Now he includes a sister, but all of the people are individuals. And he mentions every single possible member in a family but the father. Why? Because his father 
can be our Father. So what's he really getting down to? The second main point this morning, Jesus' family does his will. And here's our final application this morning. We must also seek to know God's will by his word in the spirit, and then we will be in his family. Jesus' family does his will. So let me just sum up the stories quickly here. Elimelech takes his family to a foreign nation during a famine. His sons marry foreign women, and within 10 years, all the men have died. Then after God graciously provides food in his land, where they belong all along, the widow Naomi sets out for home, commanding her foreign daughters-in-law to return to their homes. But Ruth gives a five-fold pledge to cleave in love to Naomi and also to cleave in love to her God. And then 13 centuries later, Jesus teaches that anyone who does God's will is also in God's family, the family of love. All who love Yahweh are in his family, and let me just emphasize this, regardless of nation. Everybody in the world is wringing their hands over division and trying to solve it with human means. Good luck. It won't work. The only way to have unity is when each and every person surrenders to God, is filled with his love, then can we love one another. Amen. And now let us prepare our hearts for communion by singing number 265, let us break bread together. And then after we finish singing, if anyone has not yet gotten a communion kit, uh, please get one. So 265. seated and please uh, take your bulletin inserts because we will do our responsive communion reading. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. You who have been here often 
And you who have not been for a long time, and you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God, through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing, so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. And now, before we partake of the elements, let us pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you, Holy Spirit, This bread may be for us the body of Christ and this cup, the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him and give us strength to serve you in the world and to you, one, holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. And now let us partake of communion. And for our final act of worship together this morning, Let us sing number 117, cementing the truth of the sacrament. We are God's people. Oh, 
Amen. In the introduction to the sermon, I summarized all of Ephesians 2 and 3 in just one sentence. Our benediction, which is good word, with which we will close our official time together here this morning, is from Ephesians 3. This is the Apostle Paul. To me, less than the least of all saints, has this grace been given to announce among the nations the glad tidings of the unsearchable riches of Christ and to enlighten all what is the administration of the mystery hidden throughout the ages in God who has created all things in order that now to the principalities and authorities in the heavenlies might be made known through the assembly, through the assembly, the all various wisdom of God. The assembly, of course, is the church according to the purpose of the ages which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access in confidence by the faith of him. Let me just say this again. I learned this in seminary. Our faith is weak and won't do a thing. But thank God he is faithful. Faith originates from him. Again, God is the initiator. He will give us faith. And then what will we do with it? Amen. And now for our very last song, let us sing an appropriate song number 130. Bind us together. Yeah,